Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. And I was reading a great article by Jill Filopovic in The Atlantic about using too many trigger warnings and how that has softened people and really compromised their resilience. And she's saying this as a writer that sometimes when she talks about graphic material and sexual misconduct and trauma, she uses trigger warnings in her articles to let people know that there might be some tough stuff in the paragraphs ahead. But she found that the more trigger warnings she used, the more were demanded of her by readers who wanted more trigger warnings, who wanted to be safe. And so she started wondering if there was a correlation between making spaces like academia so safe that people there who didn't want to be subjected to any stress or discomfort were actually making their lives and their mental health worse by demanding a world that is sterile and safe. And she's a liberal feminist and has seen something from her point of view that is pervasive and troubling. And I have a lot of respect for anyone like that because it's very difficult uh, when you are in a world that is populated by vocal people who want to do things in only one way. And that happens at both extremes of the political spectrum. Let's not kid ourselves. It's tough to stand up and say maybe what we're doing is wrong. But she sees the exacerbation of mental health and the proliferation of mental health crises in this country, particularly with adolescent young women, as being sort of fallout from this idea that we do all have to be safeguarded from a potential trauma that we may not experience, but just somehow reading about it or hearing about it is experience enough. And it has soften people in a way and compromise their resilience. And those who are feeling the brunt of it are adolescent young women. And obviously, as the mother of two teenage girls, this scares the crap out of me. And I I talk about it with my daughters. I talk about it with my friends. We really try and figure out what is going on. And it wasn't just the pandemic. It absolutely predates that. And, And she talks about that a lot. She talks about how, you know, kids don't see each other in person very much. And that was already a problem to begin with, with so many young adolescents on smartphones. And if you've been in a group of teenagers, you know it's not uncommon for them to be sitting around a table and they are all on their phones. They're not talking to each other. They're not discussing things. They're not going out and living actively. So you had that environment to begin with. And then you had what they were engaging with, and that's social media. And we've heard about Facebook and thus Instagram targeting very young adolescent girls with pro-anorexia content that was giving young girls eating disorders. And it's unconscionable, but they were creating these algorithms to target a very vulnerable community. So they would, in essence, become addicted to the content and hence the platform. I mean, that's that's brutal. That That's something that completely undermines a fragile and very important section of society. So you have that 
systemic instability between social media and adolescence, which is tough enough in the best of circumstances. And then you throw in with that the isolation and loneliness and fear of the pandemic. And it is this recipe for a series of mental health problems that unfortunately a lot of times go unaddressed and untreated. This is Kennedy Saves the World. Don't go anywhere. Uh, I have one of my daughters, I won't say which one because I don't want to out her friend, had a friend who was dealing with paralyzing anxiety, which I can identify with. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I suffered from anxiety and panic disorder, and it it basically made me a terrified shut-in. And it wasn't until I got help and underwent dialectical behavioral therapy that I came through the other side. A lot of people aren't so lucky. So, you know, this young woman, because she's not an adult, went to her high school counselor and said, I'm having a hard time processing anything because I'm racked with anxiety and I need help. I need someone to talk to. But post-pandemic, a therapist was not available. There was an 18-month waiting list for this young woman because her mom would not allow her, would not sign off on her seeing a therapist. And, you know, wouldn't try and find one that insurance would cover, didn't believe in therapy to begin with, and whatever the cultural issues are where, you know, there there is a disconnect between needing help and getting treatment. There are people like that that even though they know they're suffering, they're reaching out for help and they're not getting it. Um, their stories are co-opted by people, and and I think this is pervasive through all of, especially younger society, is the need to be special and the need to take someone else's pain and turn it into your own so you in turn are special. But for those of us who have struggled with mental health issues, it doesn't make you feel special. Uh, it, it, you, you are not a special flower. You feel like your life is not being lived. You feel helpless. Uh, Sometimes you feel meaningless. And you have a a lot of people who are co-opting that with phrases like self-care. You know, we don't want to work because we need self-care. And they are compromising their own resilience and their own, as Jill Filopovic calls it, agency. And going from something that has been traumatic And, you know, for those who have undergone psychotherapy or psychiatric care and coming out the other side and feeling stronger, it's like recovering from an injury. You know, when when you've had a broken bone or you've had surgery and you feel like your body is depleted, you knew something was wrong, you got the treatment and it takes a long time to rehab from that. That's what we are missing. We are missing the mechanism where people struggle. They're able to find treatment, not just name what they're going through and and not just talking about their mental health, but then getting treatment, going to therapy and getting stronger. And the article also talks about 
soldiers who have returned from war with PTSD. And when they are fortunate enough to have appropriate treatment, because we know that the VA has let so many returning service members down in this country, and that is why the suicide rate is unacceptably high uh, for those who have served and fought for their country. And to not have the kind of treatment they should because the VA is misappropriating resources or not investing in things like psychedelics and psychologically guided MDMA sessions and the like, which I've also talked about many times on this podcast, uh, people continue to suffer. But when they do have access to that, they are stronger than ever. They have that resilience. And I always tell people, Live like your favorite grandparent. Think about what they went through, what they have seen, what they experienced, and try and emulate that. I I look at my daughters, and the pandemic aside, my life is so different from theirs. The environment that I grew up in was much more chaotic than theirs. The environment that my parents grew up in, obviously very different than mine. And what my grandparents went through, you know, I've spent so much of my adult life trying to piece those things together because of their stories, their journeys, their challenges. They did not have names for some of the things they were feeling and experiencing. They did not have names for some of the mental illness that was pervasive on both sides of my family. And even in the face of that, they did have faith, they did have resilience, and they did have the desire to use all of the tools at their disposal to make their lives better. And I think the article by Joel Filopovic reflects something that's very, very important. You don't want the idea of a trigger warning society to soften you so you are defined by your victimhood. Uh, yes, you want to get better. Yes, you want to put some sort of a label on what you're feeling so you can get treatment for it, so you can care for yourself. But self-care does not mean giving up on yourself. It does not mean quiet quitting. It does not mean being safe from everything that might harm you in this world. So we will have to go back and revisit generations of people who lived and dined on resilience, and they were better for it, and we would be better if we could emulate that slice of whatever lives they were living and apply them to our own so we can remember what it's like to heal, to overcome, and to be stronger on the other side, because that is absolutely possible. That is also what will heal society and save the world. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network.